I want you to know I really believe it. I said it before, I'll say it again. Others have said it before, they'll say it again. But when we say that, we really believe it. That's not just something to say, to open up the night. No, God's got something good for us tonight. I believe that, and I believe that you do as well. And uh, I want to dig into something that I really believe is very, very helpful to us. And actually, uh, a very foundational thing. Understanding what we're getting into tonight actually helps you understand the Bible better. And besides that, uh, besides the fact that you understand the word better, it also brings you to the point where uh, you can actually uh, look at your life and and what what God's done in your life and uh, give the credit to where the the credit is due, which is always to him, to God alone, be the glory. But but also, you will find yourself emphasizing more the work that Jesus did than anything that the enemy's ever done to you to try to mess you up. You know, somebody <laughs> told the story of a testimony service, and, you know, pe- people in... Uh, 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 churches would, you know, get up and give their testimony of what the Lord's done. And they'd say, well, I thank God I was almost in a car wreck last week and my angel saved me from getting in a car wreck. Praise the Lord. And, and you know, people would just talk about things that the Lord had done. But then somebody uh, got, got their words a little mixed up one night and said, the devil's been after me all week, bless his holy name. <laughs> now, something's wrong with that picture because we know ain't nothing holy about him. <laughs> but 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 the thing is, is that what 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 they started to do is they started to talk about what the enemy was doing. But we're not going to emphasize what the enemy's doing tonight. We're going to emphasize what the Lord has done, and we're going to see that the impact of what the Lord has done in your life is by far greater than anything that the enemy has ever done or would ever try to do. The impact of God in your life is infinitely greater. Can I hear an amen? And the way we're going to approach that is by talking about the story of two Adams. The story of two Adams. One Adam we will call the first Adam. One Adam we will call the last Adam. And so whichever one you're connected with, If you're only connected with the first Adam, then I don't mind telling you, you need help. Because the first Adam, the the first man who was here on earth, named Adam, got things in a royal mess. But then there's Jesus, who is called the last Adam. And I got to tell you, he came to fix the mess to reverse the curse and turn around the the, the mess that the first Adam got us into. So we're going to tell you the story of two Adams. So so, uh, you you didn't know you were part of the Adams family. Oh boy, I couldn't resist. Uh, All right. But let's go ahead and look at some scripture tonight as we get started. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. It says, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So by Adam came death, but by Jesus came the resurrection of the dead. In Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. Now how sad is it that in Christ you're made alive and yet there's some people that because of their refusal to believe and their refusal to submit and surrender their lives to the Lord will never experience this being made alive. Even though it's theirs, it's paid for, it's provided, but he can't make you take it. This is received by faith in him. Provided for, you are set up. But there's people that have been, as far as God's concerned, taken care of, paid for, done deal. And yet there are people in hell right now as we speak who have never received what Jesus paid such a dear price to make available to them. But I got to tell you, thank God not us. And our goal as believers is we don't want to go to heaven empty. (laughs) We want to bring as many people with us as we can. Hallelujah. And let as many people know that they don't have to keep on going through life dead in that case of spiritual death, in in uh, in that state of spiritual death. Hey, you know what? Uh, This might be a weather-related thing. Humidity, I don't know. But we'll just do the disco tonight and keep going. So don't worry about the lights. Uh, But but thank the Lord for this, that, that in Adam all die and Christ all will be made alive. We have the opportunity to experience this life. Right now, here in this life. Because eternal life is not just a... Uh, shall we say, uh, an, an infinite time because sinners will live forever. Everybody lives forever. Some in the spoken section, some in the non-spoken section. We know how that goes. But, but thank God we have the opportunity not just to think of eternal life as living forever, but it's more than an infinite quantity of time. It is also a quality of life. Eternal life is not just a quantity, it's a quality. The highest quality it is that that you can find anywhere because it is the life of God. It is the very same life that's in God, the very same life in, in the Lord Jesus Christ that is available to us, that causes us to be made alive in him, quickened as the, the scripture says in Romans eight eleven. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. And not just quickening our mortal bodies, thank God for the health and the life that brings to our bodies. But the most important thing is you got your spirit quickened. Where you were in a case of spiritual death, but now through his life you've been reconnected with him. And now the gap that once existed between you and God is no longer there. Hallelujah. So let's talk about the story of two Adams tonight. And really, if you boil it down, the whole Bible is about two men, the first Adam and the last Adam. 
You can look at it like this. Adam, the, the first Adam, was the, the master tape. I know we don't use tapes very much anymore in our day of technology. Uh, you might say he was a master copy off of which all the other copies would be made. He was the master. He was, he was the original. And as he was duplicated, everything that got duplicated off of him would look like him, resemble him, would have his, his info in there, his characteristics in there, however you want to say it. But uh, even though God created him as a perfect master, and you understand the way I say master, Adam allowed himself uh, to uh, get a defect inside of him called sin. And so therefore, because he was uh, uh, had... Uh, gone into sin, you know, the scripture says that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. I, I hate to say it because, guys, it does not make us look very good. But Adam was right there when this conversation was taking place in the garden between the serpent and his wife. And the scripture says that when Eve ate of the fruit, that Adam was right there with her, and he went right along with it. As opposed to being able to say, no, 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 God's called me to garden, keep this garden, and we obey God in this garden. And if you're going to go ahead and talk about God that way, you're going to hit the road, Jack, and you ain't come back no more, no more, no more. Hey, But instead of doing that, what happened is that he just stood there and really let this happen. And how sad of a situation that is. But I want you to know that, uh, 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 that, that what happened because of that is it caused a defect in man. Sin. It caused a separation that, that was never intended by God. God did not want to be separated from his man. God always wanted to have a connection, a vital union, a vital connection with mankind. God did not want this. But because of a man's failure to obey God and to do what he knew he should have done, sin entered into the world. And, and therefore, the same infection, you might say, whether you want to call it a defect or an infection that Adam had, to all the ones that got duplicated off the master had the same infection. Are you with me? You understand that? All right? So now God has a, a master with a bad defect. And then because of that, a whole lot of what you might call bad copies. Anybody that's ever uh, duplicated something before and and you you get something uh if if there's something wrong with the the either the the master that you're using for the recording or if there's something wrong with the uh uh maybe the machinery that you're using you say well we can't use those or we can't sell those because those are bad copies now now what do i mean by bad copies the problem is that the very same defect or the very same infection that was in Adam is now in all of Adam's descendants. And so therefore, 
there's a problem here. There's a problem in the Adams family. So what would God do? He would send someone who would clear us of the defects by taking the defects upon himself. Glory to God forever. And this one, the last Adam, the Lord Jesus, would then serve as the new master from which copies will be made. Because you don't want to be made based on the first Adam now as being the master because, you know, a defect there will produce a defect in everywhere else and everything else that is duplicated from it or copied from it. So now with Jesus as being the, the new master and him being without defect, without the same infection that Adam had, when you make a copy off of him, the same pure copy, the, the, the same spirit of holiness, the same spirit of excellence, the, the same uh, thing that's right about him is now right in all the copies that are made off of him. Oh, come on now. And that lets us know this, that the power of his death has erased our old defective condition and the power of his resurrection causes us to be new creations or you might say I'm a new copy now. I, I, I was once uh, a copy made from uh, the first Adam as the master. But now I'm a copy made off of the last Adam as the master. And so therefore, him being without defect, him being righteous, him being holy, therefore, when I am uh, made after him, what are you? You are a new creature in Christ and old things have passed away and all things become new. Now, how does that happen? I love this little saying. I'm going to drop it on you. You've probably heard it before. If, if you have, that's good. You'll hear it again. And if not, take it and run with it. But always remember that if you're only born once, you will die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. Hey, come on now. All right. Here we go again. If you're only born once, you will die twice. But if you're born twice, you will only die once. Now, we were born once originally into the first Adam's family. And therefore, we had the same mess and the same defect that he had. But when you were born a second time, what we call being born again then you are born after the last Adam. And you're part of the last Adam's family. Hallelujah. And therefore, uh, because you're born again, you are now disconnected from the effects of the defect. 
Glory to God forever. When you are born again, you get disconnected from the effects of the defect. You get disconnected from what uh, was, was wrong with you because you were a descendant of Adam, the first Adam, and therefore whatever was wrong with him was wrong with all the other copies. But now in Christ, when you're in Christ, you are disconnected from that and you're connected with him. And in him is no defect. Hallelujah. In him is no flaw. (laughs) Glory to God. In him is righteousness. Praise his holy name. So when you're copied off of the master Jesus, we're not copied with defects. There's no defect in him. And you now enjoy the nature of your new master in you. Because when you are made new in Christ, you're taking on his nature. The scripture says in Second Peter that we are partakers of the divine nature. All right? Woo, hallelujah. Let's dig in a little bit further. Some scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. We already were there. We're going to another place there. Verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Glory to God. Right now, you are bearing the image. If you are a new creature in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are bearing the image of Jesus, the heavenly man, the last Adam. Praise God. Let's read some more. We're going to go to Romans 5 now. This is a large portion of scripture, but I believe that it will be very helpful to us. And uh, uh, so I want you to go ahead and really tune in because this is about a, uh, 12 verses we're going to read here. But 12 very important verses that break down this truth in a wonderful way. And uh, so I, I just tune into it. Whether you're following right along in your own um, uh, iPad or phone or Bible. Or if you're watching up on the screen, just really tune in. Here we go. Verse 8, Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, 
But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You have been reconciled to God. Where there once was a gap, there is no more a gap. Glory to God. Jesus bridged the gap. The scripture says in another place that there's one mediator, one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, let's see, where were we? Oh yeah, let's pick up verse 12 now. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that was the first Adam, right? And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So this says that Adam was a type of him who was to come. Who do you think that's talking about? That's talking about Jesus. Adam was a type of him, Jesus, who was to come. Both representatives of the whole human race and both having in their hands that whether they made the right move or whether they made the wrong move, they would either positively or negatively impact the entire human race. You could say that about Adam, and you could also say that about Jesus. One failed the test, but one passed. Hallelujah. (laughs) But that's an important thing to realize here at the end of verse 14, that Adam, the first Adam, was a type of him who was to come. Now, keep on going, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, the first Adam's offense, death reigned through the one, much more, not much less, come on now, Not much less, not even on the same level. Much more, glory be to God forever, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. 
For as by one man, the first Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So you see both the first Adam and Jesus, the last Adam, both representatives of the human race and what they did for the right or for the wrong would have an impact on the entire human race. Now, let me go ahead and read some things to you that I think can take this portion of scripture that we just read and say it in a way that that might even click even better for you. And this here, I call this a blend of translations. I had gotten a hold of this uh, uh, several years ago, and it might be what it is. It's a blend of multiple Bible translations together making this statement. And it says that what came through Jesus is not like what came through Adam. Because what came through Adam was forced onto all his descendants. And they had no choice in the matter. We all know that, right? Yep. You were a sinner whether you wanted to be or not. You were born into sin. But what came through Jesus is received voluntarily through faith. So what came through the first Adam, the mess, the defect, sin. That there, you you could not... Uh, be born and say, oh, I'd rather not be born into sin. No, if you were born into this earth and you were a descendant of Adam, you were a copy made off of the master, then you, you were infected with the infection, defected with the defection, however you want to say it. <laughs> but with Jesus and what Jesus gives, that's not forced on you. That's not forced on anybody. That's received voluntarily through faith. Now, the rest of this, uh, I'm going to read now. Adam's one offense brought judgment, which resulted in all of us being guilty. Jesus bore our many offenses so that we could receive his free gift and be declared not guilty. Oh yeah, let me read that last part to you. Adam's one offense brought judgment which resulted in all of us being guilty. Jesus bore our many offenses so that we could receive his free gift and be declared not guilty. Now let me just drop something on you. I wasn't planning on going here. But as I've been going along tonight, oh, it just, it, 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 I got a good sense to go in this direction. Just for a minute, how many of you remember where Jesus was baptized? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, right? And it was there at the Jordan River where John the Baptist recognized him as who he was and called it out and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where did that happen? Jordan River, right? All right. Well, something else happened at the Jordan River. The Jordan River was 
where the Israelites crossed over. Remember that? When they were going uh, into the promised land and, and the priests stood in the river bearing the Ark of the Covenant and the water split. Yeah. And then all the people of Israel went there across the Jordan River. What do the two have connected to it? Well, we know Jesus was baptized there. Jesus is identified there as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, that's great, but so what? Hey, honey, can you put up, my wife's back there, that's why I can call her honey, Joshua 3.16. Joshua 3.16. An elite member of the 3.16 club. John's the most famous member. You figured that out, right? But listen to this. So this is what happened as they went in. It says that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaretan. So what's happening? There's a heap of water all the way up at the city called Adam, which many people believe was actually a city built by Adam. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, or the dead sea, failed and were cut off and the people crossed over. So what happened is that you've got a a heap of water standing up at Adam and all the rest of the water between there and the dead sea, right down to the sea and everything in between dry land. Well, what's the significance here? I want you to know that the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world dealt with the very problem of sin all the way back to Adam. And what did he do with our sin? He cast our sins into the depths of the sea. That's a picture of what Jesus actually did. Isn't that amazing? Glory to God. So that's just one of those little nuggets (laughs) that you can't resist. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me go ahead and uh, share a few more goodies with you based out of that Romans 5 that we were just reading. That was just a little commercial, but I I pray that that blessed somebody. And, and, And you realize, wow, what a beautiful picture that Jesus dealt with the problem all the way back to the origin of the problem. And took our sins and cast them into the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. But um, realize this. Uh, this is another uh, uh, rendering of one of the verses we were reading there in Romans 5. It says that the effect of the gift of God was greater than the effect of the offense of Adam. That's a big thing for us to get. The effect of the gift of God was greater than the effect of the offense of Adam. And here's the thing. We are very, very much trained in this natural world to be more connected and to be more aware of the connection with the first Adam than we are with the last Adam. And the enemy's got us convinced that, yeah, you're, you're saved, all right, but but, you know, that's not impacting you as much as the mess that the first Adam got going way back when. And the, that is impacting you a whole lot more than anything Jesus ever did for you. But that's not true. 
Someone say, that's not true. That is not true. What is true? And it's true whether it seems like it or not and whether you feel like it or not. This is true. That the effect of the gift of God is greater than the effect of the offense of Adam. What the last Adam did for you is having a bigger impact, a greater impact on you than anything that you ever suffered because of your connection with the first Adam. Oh, hallelujah. How about this? That God's mercy and his gift given through the favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, has far more powerfully affected mankind. That the mercy and the gift given through the favor of the Lord Jesus Christ has not less, had not had less of an impact, but it has far more powerfully impacted mankind. You see, we look around us and we see lots of signs of what the first Adam did. As a matter of fact, it's like, uh, what, what, what was just a sign here and a sign there is now on steroids. And, and, and things that the people would once do uh, in, in back corners and back alleys, they're now right doing on Main Street for the world to see. And so it, it, it seems that, well, everywhere I go, it looks like what, what the, the mess we got into because of the first Adam is really on display. And, and it seems that we're more powerfully impacted by that. But what does the scripture say? Where sin abounds, grace does a little more, this much more. No, grace does much more abound. Don't you think for a minute, don't you believe for a minute, retrain your thinking that if you have to, to not think of yourself as being so deeply impacted by what the first Adam did and, well, what Jesus did for me, uh, You know, I mean, I'm getting a little benefit, but maybe later in heaven I'll get more of it. No, 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 no. That's the wrong thinking. You got to think in terms that what I got from Jesus has impacted me far greater than anything that I got from uh, being affiliated uh, with the first Adam. Glory to God. Grab a hold of that somebody. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, we live in a day where people often talk about how they identify. But I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Who do you identify with? Are you identifying more with the first Adam? Or are you identifying with the last Adam? Come on. That choice is yours. I choose to identify with the last Adam. I choose to identify with him. I choose to embrace what he's done for me and to say boldly that what he's done for, for me is greater and more potent, more powerful, more impactful than anything that I've ever suffered as being a son of the first Adam. Glory to God. Now, as we said this before, I want to say it again, that both the first Adam And Jesus, the last Adam, both actions would affect the whole human race. Both of them 
stood as really representatives of the human race. And what they did to either fail at what they were doing or succeed at what they were doing was going to have an impact on everybody else. So Adam was a representative of the human race and his decision to obey or disobey God would have lasting results on all mankind to follow. But because the first Adam disobeyed God, the effects of that transgression were passed on to every person. Adam fell and we all fell in him. Because without giving you a biology lesson, if he's the first human being, which he is, that means that no matter what beautiful shade of melanin you got on your skin tonight, whether you got more of it or less of it, we can all go back to great, 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 great granddaddy and realize that we are all descendants of Adam. And the scripture says in Acts 17 that God out of one blood has made all nations of men. You realize that's in the scripture. So therefore, all of us, no matter what your life experience, no, no matter if you are, uh, if, uh, someone said if you're dark and lovely or light and lovely, it matters not. No matter what your house looks like, you are a descendant of the first Adam. And so therefore, when Adam fell, we fell in him, all of us. Every man, every woman infected with the same infection, no exception. But by contrast to the first Adam, Jesus, the last Adam, is the head of a new family, (laughs) the family of God. Actually, the scripture And Revelation 3.14 calls him the beginning of the creation of God. And people would read that and would say, well, Jesus was creator, so how could he be the the beginning of the creation of God? Well, in, in this sense, Jesus is the beginning of the creation of God because Jesus was the beginning of what we call the new creation. Remember, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Well, the, the sense in which Jesus became uh, 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 the, the, the first one, the, the forerunner in this new creation is that he went first where we could never go. He was the one who Hebrews calls the forerunner, who went with his own blood into the heavenly holy place, went beyond the veil and went where at that time nobody could go. But he went there with his own precious spotless blood and made the way so that we could follow. He is called in scripture the firstborn among many brethren. As a matter of fact, his church, according to Hebrews 12, is called the church of the firstborn. Jesus is the first of this new creation race. Hallelujah. And we are Brothers and and sisters, we are copied off of him as our master copy. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus' decision to obey God 
has had everlasting results for those who place their faith in him. Don't you know that where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded? Because the, the, the test was a test of obedience. What, what all Adam had to do was follow instructions, but he didn't do it. Jesus did. Hallelujah. Jesus did. So we are blessed because we get the positive effects, the positive impacts of his obedience in our lives because we're joined to him, we're in him, because we identified with him. When he died, it was when we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised. And when he was seated, we were seated. In the same way that the first Adam represented the human race, I want you to know that Jesus, the last Adam, represented the human race. And whatever happened to him, it was right there as though it were happening to us because he was our substitute. Glory to God. So the first Adam was tempted and failed the test. The last Adam was tempted, but remained sinless. He was the one of whom Hebrew says, he's been tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And Jesus, listen to this, this is rich. Jesus had to do what Adam failed to do in order to annul what Adam did. I want to say that again. Jesus had to do what Adam failed to do in order to annul or make null and void what Adam did. Thank God. <laughs> Jesus is our hero. Hallelujah. So, it's interesting. Let's look at some uh, comparisons and some, some contrasts between the, the first Adam and the last Adam. In both cases, we know this, Satan came for the word. What happened in the case of the first Adam is that the serpent's, well, the, the, the serpent's first words uh, or, or one of the first words he spoke was, has God said? And it was an attempt to put doubt in the mind of Eve, who he was talking to, regarding what God said. Has God said? And then when she quotes or slightly misquotes what God said, because in, in reality, God never said anything about not touching the fruit. He just talked about not eating the fruit. But what Eve said is, you shouldn't eat it, nor should you, should you touch it. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a big deal, but, but she did not quote the Lord exactly based on what we see in Scripture. But the bottom line is that uh, the, the enemy was coming to get her to doubt and then actually blatantly said, you will not surely die. How many of you remember reading that in Genesis chapter 3? He blatantly went out and said the exact opposite of what God said. Getting her to doubt the word. 
Now, he did the same thing to Jesus. He tried to get Jesus to doubt the word. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, we, we know from the parable of the sword that when the seed gets planted, that Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Well, you have God the Father speaking when Jesus gets baptized and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus goes in the wilderness and the next words recorded in scripture are the tempter's words, the devil's words to Jesus, where after God just said, this is my beloved son, what does the tempter say? If you be the son of God. Isn't that wild? That as soon as God said it, he was going for what God said right away in an attempt to steal it. And that was not the only place. That came up not just at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but when Jesus was on the cross, what did they say? If you be the son of God, come on down from the cross. Getting uh, an attempt to get him to doubt what was spoken. So we see the, the, some similarity there. Here's another similarity. You had big decisions made in two gardens. One garden called the Garden of Eden and the other garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Eden where the wrong decision was made and where uh, Adam, by his lack of action to do something about that slithering something that came into the garden on his territory that he allowed in there, and so, so what, what happened is he allowed sin to come into the world because of his lack of action. But there was another decision made in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus had the last supper with his disciples and they left there, where did they go? They went to this garden called the garden of Gethsemane. And that's where Jesus prayed. And Jesus knew what he was facing, and it was tough what he was about to face. More, I mean, we can't even fathom. When, when you've got somebody who since eternity past has always been intimately connected with the Father, and now he's facing being separated from his Father. Can't even imagine that. But hey, <laughs> what happened in that garden is that Jesus said, Lord, if there's any other way to do this, let it be, but if not, not my will, but your will be done. There was a bad decision made in one garden, but in the garden of Gethsemane on that night, Jesus made a decision that saved us. And here's a quote for you to remember. The soldiers crucified Jesus at Golgotha, also known as Calvary. But the, the soldiers crucified Jesus at Golgotha. But Jesus crucified himself at Gethsemane. Wow. Glory to God forever. And so there were big decisions made in two gardens. One failed the test. One passed the test. And here's another interesting thing. They both encountered trees. One encountered this tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
that he was supposed to be staying away from. So Adam brought down the whole human race when he was confronted with history. But Jesus rescued the entire human race by being nailed to history. Is that beautiful or what? And let me ask you a question. What happens when you get the tree involved? Now the tree, of course, is a reference in scripture to the cross. The, 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 the idea of the, the cross, the scripture uses that, that term, but it also specifically uses the term him being nailed to a tree, talking about the same thing. But when you get the tree involved, what can happen? Let me give you a little example. In the book of Exodus, right after the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea, got to the other side, they had their praise party, and Miriam led some worship, and they were celebrating the goodness of God, and kept on moving a little bit, and got to this place called Mara, where the scripture says the waters were bitter. And all the fussing and complaining started. Moses, look what you did. You brought us out here to drink this poisonous water. What did Moses do at the Lord's command, at the Lord's direction? He took a tree and cast it into the water. And the scripture says that the waters were made sweet. Instead of being bitter, that bitterness was removed. Whatever was wrong with the water, it got fixed. And it was better than Poland Spring. It was better than uh, Aquafina or any other water you can think of. I mean, this is just the best. And how did it happen? Because God, and you see, God uses pictures. Took a tree and cast it into the water. And I want you to know tonight, whatever is bitter in your life, oh, somebody help me preach tonight. Whatever is bitter in your life, get the tree in on it. Because the tree will make what was bitter to turn sweet. Somebody shout hallelujah tonight. Woo, glory to God. I'm about to have me a benefit. (laughs) That's even better than a fit. Glory to God forever. All right. We're going to wrap this up soon. But this is just rich stuff. And I just want, I want you to get this. And I want you to realize the power of identifying with Jesus. You see, see when, when you identify more with the first Adam, I, I, Pastor Mike, I think I said this to you today. When you identify more with the, the first Adam, you say, well, it's that time of year again. You know, and you know, all the kids are going to get the sniffles and the this and the that. And, you know, and it, it just happens every time this time of year comes around. What, what's that? That's called identifying with the mess of the first Adam. When you identify with the last Adam, what do you say about your kids? Are you saying about what they're going to catch and how often they're going to catch it and how bad they're going to catch it? Or do you say that that he bore sins in his body on the tree, that we who are dead to sin can live to righteousness by whose stripes we were healed? That's called identifying with the last Adam. Hallelujah. But let's look at some contrast here. All right. 
Well, Adam was the first of a race that went from spiritual life to spiritual death. That's called decline. That's called going the wrong direction. He went from life to death. But Jesus was the first of the new creation race that goes from spiritual death to spiritual life. Adam brought a curse on humanity. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. And how did he do it? Through his death. Because the scripture says, curse is he who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. That is rich. So Adam brought the curse on humanity. Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Adam turned his authority over to Satan. Adam had the keys and just turned the keys right over. But glory to God, Jesus took the keys of authority back from Satan. You know, Adam sought to hide and cover himself with fig leaves because of the wrong he had done. But what did Jesus do? Jesus allowed himself to be openly, blatantly crucified right there in front of everybody without any covering. So here's one trying to cover up and Jesus was willing to be uncovered and shamed, spit upon for us. My God, thank you. One guilty man decided to pass the blame to others. The classic words. And this is a twofer. This is multitasking when you're blaming two people in one statement. The woman you gave me. Ain't that right? That's what Adam did. The guilty man was passing the blame. But what did the innocent, innocent man do? The Lord Jesus, the last Adam. He decided to accept the blame that did not belong to him. He decided to do the time for the crime that he did not commit. Hallelujah. Love the words of an old song. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. It's Amazing Grace because Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. See, Adam needed to have blood shed for him. Remember in scripture that God actually made skins. He, uh, they were trying to cover up with fig leaves that the Lord actually made skins and covered them. Well, it's interesting if you realize in order for skins to be made, skin would have to come off a living creature, which means there was shedding of blood. So Adam needed to have blood shed for him. But Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, Jesus, the last Adam, rather than needing to have blood shed for him, was the one who could shed his blood so that we could be redeemed and so that we could be saved. If I say one more thing to you tonight, it would be this.
Adam obeyed the voice of the serpent. Because he just went along with it, let it happen. It happened on his watch. He was given the job of guarding the garden. And he wasn't being much of a gardener. But isn't it interesting? And this is just a little side note. I'm not saying that this is like deep theology or anything, but it's just something that makes it say, hmm. So here's a gardener who failed miserably in keeping the garden and guarding the, the garden that he was given to keep. But when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Mary supposed that he was the gardener. Mary supposed that he was the gardener. Well, I want you to know something tonight. He is the gardener. He is the gardener. Except where Adam, the first Adam, failed miserably at guarding and keeping the garden, Jesus is not failing. Jesus is protecting his garden and protecting every beautiful plant in his garden and are you glad to know that we are the planting of the Lord that we are trees of righteousness and that the gardener come on David the gardener is looking out after all the plants and all the trees in his garden my goodness my goodness praise the Lord hallelujah well if if you're saved that'll make you excited about being saved And if you don't know Jesus, my prayer is that hearing words like this make you absolutely hungry, can't hardly wait. I got to know this Jesus and I got to know him right away. If you're watching my live stream tonight, we really, really want to be able to connect with you. Please don't let this moment get away from you. If you want to know Jesus, please. Connect with us, 508-336.